I can't see myself. I don't like this. Oh, here we go. It's Jeffrey. It's me, Jeffrey, and it's week seven. How we ended up this way. Here we go. Hashtag, what's your emoji? It's so abrupt. It really does drive me bonkers. I got to make these, a whole new thing. One of these things I thought, will be <laughs> with my I thought that was a track. What, of me talking? Yeah, I thought it was like a track you did. I was like, all right. No, because I figured out one of the last shows, because Steve always, like, he set it up so that it mutes everybody because he hated that I would always talk through the theme music. <laughs> <laughs> he don't care for that, so he's muted yeah, me. Was- hey, kids, how are we doing? So tonight alongside of me, I got Mr. Brian BC. How you doing with your with your uh, hey. Angelique Bates house going on behind you? I didn't know you hey. and Angelique lived together. We do. We do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know and I owned a grand piano. Uh, it's exciting to huh? And then uh, blow me tonight. I got Mr. Dana. How you doing? How you doing? Hello. Okay. And then <laughs> alongside of Dana. <laughs> alongside Dana, we've got. Girl, how you doing, Kristen? How you doing? I'm peachy. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, kids. I'm all right. It's been an interesting week. Miss Kelly's off tonight. She's uh, having a little trouble. So we're here. And uh, as you can see, the show is titled Atomic Habits, Chapter 8 through 14. And that is not happening tonight because Kelly's off and she is the leader of the book club. So we're not talking about that. So we're if you tuned in thinking we're talking about Atomic Habits, I hate to break your bubble. When Kelly's back, we'll talk about the book. So that's that. Ta-da. Uh here we are. Um, but I don't know if uh, you guys, w- what's going on? Did anybody have anything interesting happen over the weekend or the week since we've been off? Anybody? My, my husband smashed our car in. What had happened was, Brian, what? <laughs> well, no, what had happened was last night we got like all of a sudden this like lake effect snowstorm. We got like snowing? a whole bunch of snow. Oh my God, we got like six or eight inches. Well, <laughs> that much usually it's a good night but last night was not a good day <laughs> but anyway <laughs> but anyways we live in marcellus where there's like giant hills and he got going out from the top of the hill and smashed into a guardrail and that's all she wrote he's okay uh-huh. as long as he's okay well that's inconvenient yeah, okay. at most then yeah he well he he had like a, he has a bruise on his arm because i guess when the airbag comes out like the the thing yeah. opens up and it whacked him in the arms. So. Yeah, I've been in one car accident where the airbags went off and I was my entire left side was bruised from like my knee to my shoulder. I heard it can burn you too. Yes. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. chemical burn? Yeah. He didn't get that. But... Yeah. So Marilyn that was our like excitement it. last night. Ooh. Fine. What time did that happen? Uh around midnight. Ooh! Oh, that's gonna be fun. So I well, I had to I had to put the baby in the car. Well, first of all, I had to wake him up because he was sleeping. I put uh. him in the car to go get Joe, and then we had to wait for the tow truck. And they said like three hours. <sighs> so the cop told us we didn't have to wait because it was like not too far from our house, and so and the tow truck oh, was just gonna come tow it anyways. So. I guess that it was like far enough off the road where it wasn't a hazard, so they let us go. Nice. It was lucky. Yeah, it was wicked lucky. Well, not for the car, but for Joe, it was wicked lucky. That's okay. With the price of cars, you'll probably make some dough and be able to get a nice new car if you can find one. Girl, that car only had 7,000 miles on it. Okay, that sucks. (laughs) Did you own it or lease it? Or were you buying it or leasing it? We were buying it, but I we have gap insurance. Okay. So, like, we should be fine. I, okay. I always bitch at all my friends. I'm like, make sure you get the gap insurance. We, I, this is the first time I've ever gotten it, actually. So, I feel lucky. 
I don't know that so much you needed in this climate with cars today, but it's still an important thing to have because if you're upside down, man, that's not a good feeling when you, no, you, oh you need God. it. It's, it ain't cute, man. It's not cute. Mm -mm. No, not at all. Dana, what about you? Any car crashes? Did you, you know, what happened? How's got, Are you recovering from Budapest and your orgies? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I got, my friend Scott gave me a board game. That's new. <laughs> a board game, huh? Yeah, what yeah. board game? It's called Creature Comforts. You're little woodland creatures, and you have to build the coziest den for winter. And whoever builds the coziest den wins the game. <laughs> Dave's here. He's listening from a distance. So I add my hilarious quips whenever you deem necessary. Well, thank you, Dave, for tuning in. We love you. So you got an interesting board game. Is it like related to Dungeons and Dragons? No, it's just like, uh, I don't know, there's dice and little wooden figurines, and you go around the board and you collect different things for winter. And you make a little cozy denda, like snuggling with your family. It's nice. It's a nice so, little family game. Oh, it's a family game. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's sweet. Okay. That's as exciting as my world's been. <laughs> I, oh. I, was, I was spray painting a bow and arrow. Um, uh, Brian's gone. Um, he may have muted himself. No, he's gone. Look at him. No, he just, said it just kicked him out. Yeah. Uh-oh. We might need Dave to come on in. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just have Dave do it. <laughs> Dave, you're up. Uh, all right, Kristen, what about you? Anything going on? Did you? I, I heard maybe you you had something start this week or something. I did. I started a new job today. I did. What? I did. So what is it? it's uh, it's uh, starting at this place that serves coffee. Oh, yeah, my favorite kind of place. I, I know, like those places. So I'm very excited. So. We shall see. It's going to be very fun. I'm. I'm. My nephew also works for said company, and has been working there since he was 16, and absolutely adores it. So, they are. Uh, I'm excited. So oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's something that gets me out of the I, house. Ain't nothing wrong with that, baby. Listen, I found a new little coffee shop around the corner. Well, country corner is about 25 minutes from here. <laughs> But I didn't know we had one, and they serve like my favorite. I like a frappuccino. I like a frozen coffee, mm -hmm. you know, blended frozen beverage. I don't care what time of year it is. It was good. It was seven fifty. It was worth every penny. I'll be stopping back frequently. Sometimes, so. sometimes you need those little treats. I, when we grew up, where Kelly and I grew up, where there was only one traffic light. Well, that's my town was only one traffic light and more cows than people. We had to drive to the big town of East Aurora. That was the big town. Mm. And, you know, that's where the coffee shop was. And that wasn't until we were like in high school. Tim Hortons. Uh, Jeffrey, remember Tim. the Red Monk? Did you ever go to the Red Monk, Red Monk. when that was open? The cafe downtown? Yeah. It was Man, like geared towards the there. teens or whatever? Yes. That was where I drank mm -hmm. the coffees with my friends. That was when they let us smoke cigarettes inside. Yeah, I was busy sneaking into bars. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're drinking coffee and smoking and skateboarding and yeah. being arrested. I, I didn't drink coffee until I was like in my 20s. Yeah, it took me. Yeah, I, I did a little bit in my 20s. I stopped for years and then in my 30s, I really kind of got back into it. I started when I was like two or three and have not stopped and I'm going to be 45 <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, didn't stop my growth. I'm good. Like That's true. I did. You said I used to dunk toast in my co in coffee. It was like an Italian thing. Mm -hmm. My grandma used to make me toast and coffee yep. when I was like five, six, seven. Okay. Yeah, it's like mostly milk and a little bit coffee. of coffee. But you never did that? No, my grandmother yeah. had ketchup and toast. Ketchup and did she put ketchup on That's, eggs too? I don't know. Yes, yes, they did. They were a very she wasn't Italian, you know, it was the grandfather that was Italian. I don't know what yeah. the hell she was. And they were, you know what I mean? Like, and my mother, like, we had that meme going around this week 
that was like, what was your favorite meal as a child? And I was like, anything my mother didn't cook. She was a weird Italian. She didn't use a spice. You know what I mean? Like, there was no real garlic in my house. Nothing. We what didn't use just- no spices. She, she ragu in the cabinet. You know, oh. uh, SpaghettiOs and uh, Campbell's soup. <laughs> like, no, no, we don't have none of that now. No, 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 we don't. My dad, mm. my dad is Hungarian, and we had like crazy like sausages hanging from the ceiling and like peppers. <laughs> cool. Yes, that they used to like hack off, and yeah, that's what we grew up with. So, that's yeah, cool. see, I don't, I, you know, I'm not even sure what my grandmother really was like. And they, she would do like a hamburger gravy. Like they were poor. Whatever the hell they were, they were poor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it just they wasn't a whole. They weren't. There wasn't a whole lot of flavor. I mean, their ba- big jam was ketchup and toast in the morning for breakfast. So that kind of. <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> he said, "David just said, oh my god, he ran across no the room. No garlic. Yes, her father, my grandfather, was off the boat Italian." There was never, I didn't even know what the hell real garlic was. I didn't peel garlic until I was an adult, okay? I'm telling you, and I would try to add like garlic salt and powder to like the jar sauce because I cooked dinner a lot <laughs> as I got older. And my mom would be like, it's too spicy. The true story. We didn't have many spices in the cabinet. Mrs. Dash was a big hit in our family there for a minute. This is- we couldn't use a lot of it. <laughs> Mrs. Dash, man. Mm-mm. There was no vegetables. My mother, if she ate a salad, she would make iceberg lettuce, okay, out of the bag with croutons. Uh, she would put cucumbers in it, but she would put them out. Tomatoes, uh, pieces of pepperoni that, out of the bag. Wasn't even like real pepperoni. Uh, out of the bag with some pieces of cheese. That's it. That's all that was ever in the salad. No, my yeah. favorite thing in the summer, my dad had a garden, and I had a little salt shaker in my pocket, and I would rip the tomatoes off the vine, and I would eat the tomatoes off the vine and with my little salt shaker. That was yeah, like we didn't have no, no, we didn't have fruits and vegetables like that in our house. We had some bananas wow. and apples. That was about it. Maybe some oranges occasionally. If it wasn't for my father, like, who was a fat man who loved different things, you know, I, there would be no palate. Like, my brothers are very simple eaters. Uh, like her. Yeah. No, no vegetables. No, no. Salt is spicy. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. No, she loves her salt. Do you eat anything spicy? Has your palate involved, Jeffrey? Oh, yeah. Like, I eat everything. Clearly. Look at me. Um, Mm. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Oh, I got the dogs going. Yeah, no, I get down with everything. Yeah, I don't... um, I can't, you know. And I, I mean, I put too much spices in everything. You know, I have a rule that there's never enough garlic. Well, that's true. There is Now that you found garlic... Yeah, yeah. And you know? if, people are, if people are having garlic, you're fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put garlic in everything. Yeah, I tend to overspice everything. It's it's kind of intense. I, I went the opposite. It's so crazy. Um, so I don't know if you guys have, have seen this or not, but there was an article shared by the boys in Australia. Um, let me see if I can do this. I, I've never actually tried to do this. Okay. So it was a story about this 21-year-old named Mackenzie uh, who was murdered in Australia. She had a one-year-old little boy, and she was allegedly murdered by her boyfriend, Tyrone Thompson, who she had signed an order of protection for in October. Uh, He was arrested and convicted to nine months uh, before being eligible for parole, and he was released on March 9th. And he immediately contacted Mackenzie on March 25th. She was stabbed to death in her home after calling police saying he was breaking into her house. By the time they arrived, she was found outside bleeding to death. Her one-year-old was find, found hiding inside of a cupboard covered in blood. The family has set up a GoFundMe to help with Elijah and to help with any costs that Mackenzie's family needs, raising him with therapy for him. Uh, he was the Elijah was also born with a cleft palate and has ongoing medical appointments and surgery since his birth. Uh, so if you're watching, if you can help, if you if you're on our page, if you could share the GoFundMe for this family, I mean that would be amazing. That's terrible. Uh, and this is becoming a common issue in Australia. Um, 
Is it really hard to get an order of protection or something? Yeah, the cops just don't seem to care. I mean, we just had another story that we shared a couple of weeks ago. The same kind of a situation. Another woman uh, kept trying to get an order of protection. She couldn't even get it. Called the cops. Uh, said that he was there. You know, her the dude was there. You know that he was going to kill her. They stopped. She didn't answer the door. So they went and had a, a lunch break. Came back and she was dead. He was inside murdering her as they were knocking on the door. And it really makes me wonder, like, what the hell is going on in Australia? That now this little boy has to grow up without his mother. This dude was in jail for nine months. Gets out. Nine months? Contacts her immediately. Yeah, he was in jail. He was. Oh, no, I, I I thought you meant for killing her. No, he was in jail for nine months, got out and immediately contacted her. Why wasn't he sent right back? And I mean, but this yeah. stuff doesn't just go on in just Australia. It happens here all the time, too. Yeah, it, does it is not taken seriously. Women's safety and children's safety is not a priority of the police department. Yeah. No, and there's a network, I believe, that was started called the Lavender. I want to say it's called the Lavender Network uh, for children, especially that um, are in abusive situations. There was a story yesterday uh, that I randomly saw on TikTok about a young child where his brother had already been taken out of the home and given to the grandparents. And this other child ran away to a friend's house and the police got involved because she, the woman called the ambulance for this child because he had bruises all over his body and she wanted him to get checked out. And the police said, well, he was beating up his dad. So his dad has a right to, to beat him as long as he doesn't leave marks. No, no, that's not how this works. No, no. Well, it's like, what was the little Gabriel, uh, was Gabriel Hernandez? Right? Was that his name in in California where CPS was there constantly? Yeah. And they didn't take him away and they killed him. It just happened here in central New York too with a kid with developmental disabilities, I believe. He was, his parents, like CPS, like was there numerous times in the parents he like died of neglect like they like starved him or whatever i don't know the full story so i don't want to go into it right well but here's the thing like this happens all too commonly i mean there was just in in central new york we had a murder happened to be somebody i know that was murdered the one of the kids that pulled the trigger mother was constantly investigated for murder she just now got sentenced for being involved with uh a child it wasn't child porn but like in she was a part of like child um trafficking no in a child sex situation um i don't think she was she i don't think she violated the child but i think she watched it or she filmed it something along those lines but CPS had been at that house constantly. Uh, and the reason why I knew about the family was because they were in the same, the kids were in the same foster care agency that I did private foster care for. So I, and one of the CPS workers happened to have a child in my daycare years prior. They did nothing. They did not pull those kids out of the house knowing. The neighbors had called constantly. The mother would take off for weeks on end and leave the kids there alone. Why are these kids still at the house? Meanwhile, then flash forward, now the son's committed murder, and then the mother ends up in jail shortly thereafter. This could have all been prevented had you done your job correctly. Well, and part of the problem is, unfortunately, with our social care, our social worker network and CPS are so overworked that it's- Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that for sure. Absolutely. Impossible to care. For, it's impossible to care for the priority when also, in the same respect, people use it also as a weapon in like divorce cases yeah. or whatever, you know, grandparents against. Well, it's interesting whatever. too, like. They they definitely seemed to cherry pick the cases they want to deal with. Um, I had a case where they called me as a daycare provider and said, "Look, we're at a last resort here. 
uh, will you take these kids because we want to keep them out of the foster care system, but we need somebody to watch them. So the mom doesn't work, but we'll pay you to watch our kids just to keep them out of foster care. Okay. Um, I mean, and then I've seen cases where the kids did not need to be pulled out of the home, but they pulled them out of the home and did nothing but give the parents a hard time, treat the parents like crap, and not try to help them at all. And the parents were a product of the system, and they never helped them as children. And then they wonder why the parents have no trust. You threw them back into the wolf's den. Yeah, and, then, and then you're wondering why they don't trust you as an adult? And then you take their kids from them. Meanwhile, the people that the kids should have been taken away from, you left them with them, and now they're murdering people. Yeah, when we did foster care, uh, I always wondered, there's a lot of families that just kind of need services. <clears throat> like, we took care of these right. four kids whose parents, honestly, the kids only ate once a day. And one of the kids told somebody at school that they only ate once a day, and they were kind of like struggling in their weight or whatever and uh that's why they took them out of the house but it was because the parents are you know poor the dad works like around the clock and the parents literally called us every single night to talk to their kids while they right. were with us and um like the whole plan was for them to go back obviously but i kept thinking to myself like if you're gonna pay us to take care of the kids and you're gonna send social workers over to our house three times a week or whatever you're going to do all these different resources. Why don't you keep the kids in their own house? Allow the parents that money so they can take care of their kids properly and send the social workers to their house so they can teach them how to take care of their own kids. I don't understand, like, in, the, well, in that situation. The, the I know certain situations. The damage that you've just created in that mm -hmm. house to not just the children, to the parents yeah. as well, is going to last a lifetime because you've scarred the children and you've scarred the parents. You've created a distrust with the system now. Mm -hmm. Well, well in, that particular, in that particular situation, uh, the two youngest were twins. It was two twin girls. They were five years old. And all the kids had really bad teeth because they just had bad hygiene and bad nutrition. And so they were with us for two days and they already had them scheduled for an appointment to have all of her teeth ripped out of her mouth. So I had to take her, I've only known this little girl for two days. I had to take her to have her teeth ripped out. And these kids are from Rome, which is kind of far from Syracuse. So the parents couldn't just drive, they're poor. So I had to take her by myself, Joe and I. And I remember coming back and she was like, you know, in a lot of pain and everything. And we laid her in the bed and I was like, one of us was just gonna stay with her. And I just tried to like rub her back. And she was just like, you know, like, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry, because she doesn't know me, you know. But mm -hmm. I was just, I felt so badly for her. And I was just like, these these kids are sometimes, and the system does as best as, like, the people in the system are, are most of the time angels, and they do the best they can. But, like, sometimes the kids are just, like, pawns, I feel like. Like, they're just moved around, like, chess pieces or something. And it's not, there's not a whole lot of regard for their... They always say it's for their well-being, but like you were just saying, the amount of damage they do to them in the process, is, is it for their well-being? Or Well, and I think it's hard too, especially for you and I, because we've been foster parents. We, we've adopted children. We've seen the dark side of the system. We've mm -hmm. seen what it's done to children, right? So there's great stories that have come out of the system. Um, yeah. But we've also seen the horrific side of it. And I think for me seeing the damage that it did to my children and what it did to me um i'll never be the same mm -mm. oh i'll never and be the same I, after going through you, that. you know uh and the damage the extra damage that it caused my children is not something that i'll ever forgive yeah from people that were supposed to protect them so well and people that are know. also trained to protect like trained and the best way no and at the end of the day like it really was about money to them you know yeah. it was the oh, yeah. bottom line so it was you know it was pretty disgusting i agree everybody's just popping in the chat room now hey kids hey it's getting pretty dark in here and we're lying about the title it's this atomic habits chapter 8 through 14 but we're not talking about that tonight kelly's off yeah. so 
uh, if you, you're just tuning in, I'm going to bring this up again. You uh, can go to our uh, page if you're on Facebook.com forward slash My Uncensored Radio if you're listening. And there's a GoFundMe page. It's Justice for Mackenzie and Elijah. Um, if you can go share that, donate if it's possible. Um, it's a family that could really use your help based in Australia. Um, has anybody else had any sort of personal relationship with domestic violence in their life as a child? Has anybody been affected by it? Um, that they I'll, want to talk about, I guess. Oh. Go ahead, um, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I've had a lot of different kinds. I mean, there was like the touchy kind and then there was the hitty kind. I mean, it leaves problems for you forever. Yeah. I mean, Wait, you're, the, sa- the same person would do that? Oh, yeah. Like, my dad started out one way, and then when he couldn't get away with that anymore, he just started beating on me. Uh, like, he took out his frustration that way. It was cool. <laughs> so, and then when my mom found out, she was like, oh, well, you're ruined now. And then she stopped. Like, she just kind of fed me and gave me a place to sleep. And so then I was neglected. And then she was disabled. So then I had to take care of her. So then, like, I had to spend, like, my teenagers, like, just, like, going grocery shopping and doing the housework and taking care of the yard and picking up prescriptions. Did your dad go to How old were you when she found out? Uh, 11. About 11. But it stopped when I was like 5. 5 or 6. Jesus Christ. When did he start it? Oh, before I could remember. Like, potty training was weird. Wow. So, but yeah, so it's like, I don't know. And and that's the kind of stuff that stays with you for a long time. Because like, even after my parents got divorced and I was like taking care of my mom, even though she didn't like show any affection towards me or like give me any love or comforting ever, like that's what normal was. Like normal was your mom's just there to sit in a room and watch TV and you take care of her and don't expect any emotional reciprocation. So was that, was that part of her disability? Well, no, she was, it was like yeah. once she found out that my dad did stuff to me, I was like ruined. Like she didn't really oh, want she couldn't to do it. Wow. So it just kind of like, I don't know, I'd get yelled at a lot and just kind of left to do whatever. And it wasn't great. But I mean, the, the kind of problems that causes is like, I'm a fairly intelligent person. So I obviously know, like, I, I kind of, raised myself like hey you're good enough you can do it and then like as an adult like that was the formation of what a healthy relationship is for me like it's like well i'm gonna it's it's easy for me to take care of somebody who's going to be emotionally neglectful it's easy for me to like think that that's normal it's so it's hard for me to recognize a healthy relationship because i don't have a fundamental understanding of what one looks like on the receiving end like i i don't know well, isn't that the thing right yeah. we all kind of repeat what we learned as children like that's our baseline that's normal yeah so it, it's weird for me to think of like somebody like liking me like it's like well as long as yeah. you aren't like hitting me or like stealing from me then you're the best person ever but that might not be the yeah. case I, I just don't i can't i can't put it together That's, right that makes for like a low bar yeah so all i try to do is get appreciation and affection by doing as much as i can for people i care about and hope that i can get some appreciation <laughs> well dana i mean i really appreciate like how vulnerable you just were in sharing yeah, yeah. with us um because i know that's not easy um and obviously you know i've had that conversation a long time ago yeah. Uh, and it's it's pretty deep and I think you've turned out amazing I think you're one of the kindest and most caring people I've ever met in my life and I think you are the greatest dad that yeah I've but it, that's the other thing it's like you do, you form all this self doubt too because you're like am I actually a nice person or am I just this way because I'm desperate for like affection and for people to like me you know, like, I don't know. 
Well, I'm sure we all have parts of that in us. Yeah. You know, from starving of what we didn't get as children or what we did get that we didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> too much. Yeah. Too much. No, thank you. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, it was the constant fighting, you know? Like, that's everybody fought, and it was like, oh, if you fight and they stay, that means love. Mm -hmm. If you love and they fight back, they love you. And like in my marriage, he never fought back. And not, I don't mean like physical fighting, but I mean like when you have an argument or when you're upset, you know, and you're like, what are you doing? You're just going to sit there. You don't have anything to say. To me, that was like the most disrespectful, like the worst thing you could ever do in the world to me. Like you don't have anything to say right now. Oh, and I would do that all the time. Like, See, yeah, whenever I'm there's like an that. argument, yeah, I'll, I'll just take a step back and look in my head. I just rationalize it like, wow, this is this is a confrontation. and This feels really uncomfortable. I just want to make it stop. So, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Well, if he said that, though, and if he if he would have even just said, like, I don't know what to say right now. I just need a minute. Like, I could have handled that, you know, yeah. but like he would just shut down and to me it was like you don't care about me at all yeah like and i couldn't handle that like that it, it would like send me into a fucking tailspin of like you you don't care at all like you you don't say you don't have nothing to say like do you not see that i'm upset that i'm hurt and i think i think sometimes people like shut down a little bit because i know like growing up in a house with like my stepdad was like a raging alcoholic and you know would scream and be violent sometimes like when you grow up as an adult when that starts happening like you retreat like almost like you did as a kid like you you kind of shut down oh yeah you're instantly you go back to whatever age that trauma resulted from it like you it's ingrained in you when it happened over and over to you as a kid like you don't have a choice like if i get in a situation like where it like if i feel like it's recreating something from my childhood, some kind of discomfort. There's nothing I can do to stop the anxiety or the self-deprecation right. or like just even like mm -hmm. the physical reaction. Like I'll get like a really tight knot in my throat, get indigestion. And like, it's just, I don't know a way to make it not happen. Like you can sit there and like, I've tried the whole meditative, like mindfulness of it. Like, okay, I'm watching this happening. I'm having this feeling and paying attention to it and trying to work through it, but it never really seems to go away. Like it's always going to be there. I, I haven't found a way to make that. Does it lessen it? It lessens it, doesn't it? Though a little bit. Um, I think you know, for me, the sucky part is the more I expose myself to those uncomfortable situations, and the more I have practice, like working through them, and the more I build like reinforcement that yeah, this is something I can handle. This is something that I can work through as a healthy adult. I have the tools to like cope with this in a normal way. Like the more I put myself in uncomfortable situations that trigger those responses, the less those responses happen as intensely. But I mean, you can't plan for anything like that. It's just, it happens just through normal day-to-day -day stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah when right. it happens, it just comes. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it'll even happen at work like you can you i can like if i feel like a pinch of a deadline coming up and i feel like i'm behind at work like i'll like oh shit i'm gonna get in trouble it's gonna be the worst thing ever oh my god and like you know those anxiety thoughts just start rolling and you're like i'm gonna lose my job my family's gonna fall apart oh my god like i better get this paper written like it's yeah. ridiculous <laughs> I had the thing where um, my mother would always tell me, I don't deal in reality. So there was two things that I, I can really stick out. Uh, I don't know. It was like 12, somewhere in there, like middle school. And like her and my father, like they, she did try to like hide when they would fight. They'd go out to the garage or whatever. So like my brothers never noticed, but you know, I was older. I could pick up on it. And I'd said to my best friend's mom, his stepmom, you know, like, I think they're going to get a divorce or whatever. So she just kind of said something to my mom, like, oh, if you need somebody to talk to or whatever, Jeffrey said, like, you know. And, of course, like, that just pissed my mother off because you don't tell anybody anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, 
you know, all our so parents, she, the same thing. Right. It's like, you so, keep your mouth shut. You don't yeah, talk yeah. about Nobody, family business. Yeah. So I broke the yeah. family code and it was like, you don't deal in reality. You're telling lies. And then of course, years later, what, what do I find out? Oh, she was looking at apartments. She was going to leave him. And I'm like, but you looked at me in the face and you told me I, I didn't deal in reality. Like I was a kid and you would sit there and scream at me and tell me not to tell Nick that he was bad when he would like do all the crazy stuff he would do as a little kid because that's what he would become. What do you think telling me that I didn't deal in reality was going to do to me? <laughs> Why do you think that I have to go and like fight people when they tell me or they don't believe me or, you know, when I get accused of something or, you know what I mean? Like when there's just any kind of uncomfortable situation that I have to prove that I'm on the right side of things or whatever the case is, like I, I have to be scrappy about it, right? Like I have well, you're to gas it. Yeah, like, I, and, and that was kind oh, yeah. of the thing all the time. Or like when my father and I like would get into physical confrontations, she would like yell at me to stop. And like, again, the kid, Mike was there. He saw the whole thing going down. The dude was pinning me to the floor. I wasn't doing nothing. And she's like, you need to stop. And I'm screaming at her to help me. And she's blaming me. He's a grown man. I'm a 12-year-old. He's got his elbow into my neck so that I can't breathe. And I scratched him in the face because at that point I couldn't breathe. I'm doing anything I can to get away from him. Mm -hmm. And it's I'm, I'm the one causing the problem. And he's chasing me through the house. And my friend's like going... What the fuck's going on? He didn't come from a house like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So any all the crazy shit he would witness at my house, you know. So I think that's why too. His father, my parents never took me to his house. Very rarely, his father always would come get me. He he was at his dad's house every other weekend. His father always came got me. There was no questions asked, and I think that's why they always did, because they knew they knew and want to be home. Mm-hmm. They never, you know. So if I wasn't at his house, I was at my aunt's house, or I was at my grandparents' house. I was at somebody's house, but I wasn't trying to be home. I feel like that was more common back then to be like with your grandparents and stuff. Yeah. I was always out. I had a very explosive house. We had a very, very explosive physical house. And my parents worked seven days a week. They bought a dealership that was on the brink of bankruptcy probably until the 90s and then they took wedding pictures Fridays and Saturdays and then Sundays they did something else my dad was never around he was the constant like make promises never show up for anything and my mom would have to make some excuse up and she worked for him she never had her own income it was and she always favored my brother over me like my mother and I were never close ever so I was always kind of by myself and like you like went to somebody else's house or like was out by myself which I think was why I was ripe for the picking to be sexually assaulted when I was younger yeah because I was the only girl in the neighborhood so like when I would go over to the neighbor's house to you know to play with the other kids the older boys took advantage of that and knew they could because you know I don't know any better I had one little girlfriend who left in fifth grade and her brother sexually assaulted both of us and then there was another I can still remember what I was wearing I can still remember the place the smell the everything I can remember about it. oh yeah isn't that isn't the worst weird? when one of those smells brings something yeah. back like, like you're just somewhere and you smell a thing and you're like there's yeah. that feeling cool yeah, yeah. instantly and it's i mean i started bringing and my girlfriend and i just talked about this i can remember being in seventh grade and bringing peach schnapps in like a spray bottle like a hairspray bottle and like being in the middle of class spraying peach schnapps in my mouth or like there was this um test and scratching myself until I, I gave myself a scar on my hand. Oh, yeah. I'll have to I did that, that one. The sissy yeah. test. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I can still see mine. I mean, now I tell myself, you know, I was a cutter 
I mean, that was the way I like relieved my anxiety and, you know, trigger warning to anybody out there listening. I mean, now to me, and it was kind of how Kelly and I started talking about this was now I get tattoos. Like my husband knows when I say it's, I have to, I, it's, I have to go get therapy. That's what I have to go get a tattoo. Like it's a way for me to release that endorphins. Yeah. Th- that anxiety. That's just like, yeah, that's pent there that I just can't release any other way healthily. Which I is mean, exactly a word, but I get it. I had, I never really, I never cut, but I would take pins and like stick them. Mm-hmm like thread them through my hands oh i used to love doing that and like i was you know what i mean like did you ever like did you ever like sew like thread through like calluses and stuff i didn't have callus a bitch i've always had soft hands i'm a lady i was like i don't Uh, have calluses (laughs) tana what kind of a boy do you think you're talking to (laughs) Um, i used to i used to take it and it would like go back and forth to like calluses and stuff and make like a spider web on my hand out of it no, honey, you maybe you, maybe oh, you no, just were a little too rosy pomade. You know what I'm saying? You should have <laughs> used some jerkins or something. Like <laughs> honey. Um, <laughs> what? I, <laughs> but, like, I love getting shots. I love needles. Like, I like the pain. I like, I do like the physical pain of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that, so too. I, I definitely can relate to that. Yeah, it's like the only way yeah. for me to like get that feel that feel that relief of stress. If, if, and no matter how much I exercise, it doesn't come out like focusing on what I'm eating. It doesn't come out, though. Those those items have helped me focus my anxiety. That other extra step. I I have to get a tattoo. And I mean, it sounds like such a, you know, first world problem i have to get a tattoo but <laughs> i would like to go out into the uh woods when we lived in the country and i would take a bunch of like glass and i would just smash the <gasps> shit of it on let's like, go to uh, a rage yeah. room i need to yeah go yeah like that always i'm like because i'm like uh before i had kids Brian, I, don't they I, have one of those in marcellus i thought they did they do i think they might <laughs> yeah it's it a smash room yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'll have to get back to you on that. I, I, I think I, I have a pamphlet. I'll, I'll have to look for it. I'll be we home in do a few a field weeks. Trip. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. We'll film it because I'm ready. Uh, I I used to once a year, like it without fail. Usually, probably maybe once a year, I would smash some kind of furniture. It would like I would just end up snapping, and Joe knew it was coming. Like, and I'd be like, just just get away, you know. And like whatever I was moving or whatever it was got destroyed. Like I just, I, I just, there'd be all this rage inside. I mean, again, this was another thing I called my mother. It was like, is there like a history of rage? Is there something in the family? Like the people, like there's just, you know, everything builds up and I could just, I, there's this rage in me that I'm just so angry. And she's like, you know what? You really are just so dramatic. There's just, you know, and just, she blew it off. And I'm like, you know what, bitch? Maybe it's you. You're the problem. Like, have you ever looked at your husband and what he does? Like, maybe this came from you and him. And then, oh, I don't know, maybe your father. You know, he put a bullet in your your mother. You think maybe that played a part in it? I don't know. And then your 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 husband's uh, father did the same thing. Do you think maybe your kid's calling you saying he's got a rage issue that you should listen? And is it like... For you, is it like all of a sudden? Because that's what would happen to me. Like I would, it wouldn't build up for me. I would feel it like hit like a ton of bricks. I would feel fine, and then one thing would set me off. Yeah, it'd be like something would like usually I'd wake up and I'd be irritated. Like I don't know if it'd be bad dreams. Like, and I think usually there is something to do with my dreams. I did go to an energy healer one time, and it was really a trippy experience. Was after the murder suicide, and she said, "You know, whether you, you know it's whether it's your bag or not, whatever." But she was like, "Your dreams are your birthright." And I'm like, "Oh, there's something to it because I'm like, I notice like whenever it is my dreams, like the, even if they're hazy in my memory, I'm like, it affects me the next day, mm-hmm. and it can affect my whole mood. And like, there's just some days where I'm like, I'm super irritated all day long. 
for no reason. And I'm like, what, why, why am I so angry today? And then I can go from angry to crying like that. And I'm like, what, what is this? What is this? And then, you know what I mean? And then when you have kids with special needs, you're like, okay, hi doctor. Yeah. I have to be on medication because I'm going to kill someone. You, you can't, well, you can't, you know what I mean? You're outside breathing. You're, you know what I mean? Like you have to make, you have to stay in control of yourself. And it is a very difficult thing to do. It's mm-hmm. not easy. It is a, it is the greatest challenge of my life to <laughs> Me be aware of my emotions and myself. And I don't always succeed, you know, like I've yelled at them when they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm not okay. And I don't even know what the problem is. And I'm a grown man. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at forties a couple of years away and I couldn't tell you why I'm upset. Baby, I'm 45 and I'm going to be 45 next week. And I can't tell you 90, 90 times why I'm upset. Uh-oh. You got a bat in the house? I don't know, girl, but there was something large flying around. It, it wasn't a bat. It was some kind of bug. <laughs> the door is open because it's a nice day. <sighs> Nothing like breaking you out of some emotional uh, trauma talk. Like, <laughs> like, right. like, bitches, you'll see just all of a sudden you'll see my fat ass jump and the laptop go flying and then I'll be gone. It just bats, grabs him in the face. Bats are really cute, though. I will say bats are super cute. They have rabies, but not all of them. <laughs> not all rabies. of them, but they are cute. Jenna, I can uh, feel that because after my breakup uh, and a miscarriage, I was that. And I uh, had an ex, speaking of domestic violence, whose kink was holding a gun to my head. He was an air marshal, a federal air marshal. Well, I was oh, cool. Yeah, that was his kink. Wait, what? That was, oh, what Kat was saying? No, I was saying what Janet was what uh, Janet had said prior oh, to that. No, sure. um, I had had a really bad breakup. Um, I'm right there. It's right there. I just you know I threw it a few years because I didn't want to say how close I was. Um, I say how close. I'm, I'm, it's right there. Right there. You're gonna I be 30 again this year. Oh my God, am I? I don't know. 83. You're, you're literally going to be 39 this year. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <gasps> no, I thought I was going to be 38. Oh, no, that's me, honey. Oh, shit. I'm, um, I'm not ready. No, it's fine. I don't care. Fuck it. You'll be fine. I'm just going to keep using my Estee Lauder. As long as I don't lose too much weight too quick, hopefully my face will hold up. You know what I'm saying? You'll be good. You know, qu- Queer folk made me totally scared of 30, and it was fine. 30 my my worst me. year was 36. I hated everything about 36. Hmm. Hated it. I and now like I'm fine. I don't feel like I look 45. I don't feel like I act 45. No. Like, whatever. Could care. It is what it is. Yes. Hmm. And yes, Kat, that is very true. I come from, my mother's whole side is uh, addicts, is my mother's whole side. Both my grandparents were alcoholics. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, and that's, in my family, like my grandparents owned a bar when I was a kid, but nobody drank in my family. Uh, Oh, really? I didn't really see drinking as a child. Uh, I did find out, you know, when I was an adult that all the guys kind of would take off at the holidays when they'd all go outside. Cause we had like a jukebox and a foosball table and uh, a pool table or whatever. They'd all go out and smoke pot, but nobody really drank. I mean, maybe they'd have a beer or something on a holiday, but you, I never. And what did I do? It's the minute I turned 20, I was wilding out drinking. Like I was blackout drunk three nights a week, every week for a couple of years in my early twenties. But I never saw it as a, it, it, it wasn't a thing I saw. <clears throat> Where does that come from? Your past. I think, I mean, supposedly addiction can skip a generation. I don't know because, but like I said, both my mother's parents were alcoholics. My mother raised her brother and sister basically because she, there was quite an age difference. 
but my mother left the house at 17, married my dad at 18. And well, I always yeah. tried to explain it to like my mom or whatever. It was like, it's the only time I can get my brain to stop. And then I could just go and dance. And that's what we would do. I mean, as Brian was there, he was with, mm-hmm. we would dance for hours. And you just, you didn't have to think about anything. You know, there was no stress and it was, it was a safe place. You know, we could be gay, we could be straight, didn't matter. We could dance, we could carry on. Um, But it was the only time I could kind of like not, I was always worried as a kid, what everybody else thought, you know, and I was the yes kid. I had to do everything everybody asked of me. Um, And I hated that. And you know what I mean? I was the altar server. I taught religion to the poor kids. So anytime the school, oh, will you do this? Will you sell the candy bars? Will you go help this one? Will you stay after school and help this? Will you do this? Will you do that? I did it all. Will you babysit this one? I hated babysitting. I hated, you know, I don't want to watch nobody's asshole children. I did it all. You had that and, Catholic guilt, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, I was raised Roman Catholic, right, Jeffrey? Me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, until oh. we were kicked out, we were kicked hey. out. Until we were kicked out. That's I went awesome. to Catholic school straight through high school until oh. I was like, hey. How do you yeah, feel? You- oh, you're going to go to hell. You should feel really bad. <laughs> you're going to go right, to hell. Well, and the crazy thing is, is if the school that I went to in elementary school was around today, I wouldn't even blink an eye about sending the kids there. I'd send them in a heartbeat because it was more of a nice private school that just taught some uh, morals and values. It's some nice teachings about a man who had 12 friends who may or may not have been homosexual. Who knows? You know? Who, just... who, flipped a ta- who flipped a table and was not white, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He was not white. Could have been a drag queen. <laughs> yeah, the and devil's lettuce. Right. And there was one time in a photo album, like I was looking, uh, I remember as a kid, I'm like, Mom, I didn't know Dad smoked cigarettes. And then the next thing I knew, that photo was gone. And it wasn't until I was an adult that it dawned on me it wasn't a cigarette that, that was in that picture. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, and that's another thing. Like, as a kid, like, I started gaining weight in first grade. And after first grade, I'd gain, like, 20 pounds a year. And she clearly knew that the Oreos were disappearing out of the drawer when nobody was around. Mm-hmm. Do you think she stopped buying them? Or she said, like, hey, Jeffrey, uh, when nobody's home... There's a lot of food disappearing. Like she didn't notice her kid was closet eating. Uh, no, then you were thinking you were if emotionally. I in, yeah. I wasn't in trouble if as long as my I only ate one box of little Debbie snacks a day. <laughs> one box? Yeah. If I if I could spread out a box for the whole day and I didn't go beyond that box, I was good. I didn't get in trouble. Oh, she would have killed me if I ate a box. But there would be like four boxes, so I could have one of each box, and then I could eat a half a row of Oreos, and then I could eat a a little bowl of ice cream, and then I'd eat, you know, whatever. Oh, those those oatmeal cookies and the zebra cakes and the nutty bars and uh, the Cosmic brownies? Oh, yeah, the cosmic cookies where there's like rice crippies around like a piece of like it was a caramel inside. Oh, it was yeah, so yeah. good. We didn't, any, we didn't have any of that. It was a big deal. Uh, this is how sad this was. This was a big deal when we had a babysitter and we would get chocolate chips, like pretending to be zoo animals, like and being good for the. Wait, you mean like chocolate chips? Like, like, like little, just the just, chips? Just chocolate chips. That would be a treat? That was our treat. Like, that's oh, what we. Y'all were like we real poor. Yeah, we didn't have. Well, you know, the only reason why we started getting little Debbies was because my brother got hit by the little Debbie man. He straight got, I swear to God, he got ran the fuck over. He was (laughs) underneath the little Debbie tire. You know what I'm saying? He had to get air. (laughs) Are you serious? Yes, you don't remember that in front of the middle school. He was my mother, like, and it was, (laughs) she was working at the apartment building. She was right there. She heard the accident. She was traumatized, and I had just made this sandwich. I, we lived around the corner, kind of. And she called. She's like, Nick, I hit my truck. You know, she was losing it. I had to, like, I went running up there. <laughs> she was covered in blood. I mean, it was scary as shit, you know? Oh, wow. And they were going to, yeah, the principal's there. He's covered in blood. She's, and she's, you know, to see her parent, you know, this woman who, regardless at that point, because I feel like my life was divided into two, like, 
I feel like listening to Dana's horror stories, like I had this young, younger childhood that was great, you know, like she was this mom who did all these fun things with me and she was good. And then she kind of had her own psychotic break and then it went bad. Um, who she's just covered in blood and she's like having this nervous breakdown and they have to airlift him. And my father's working on a construction site. We don't, you know, cell phones weren't really very common back then. He doesn't have one. And I, and I just, I happened to, one of my school friends had seen him wherever he was working and he was working by their house. And she's like, you got to go find your father. And I had just gotten my license or something. And the way that the, the scene was, they were blocking the driveway to her where she worked at this apartment complex. And she had an Oldsmobile custom cruiser wagon. You remember the shagging wagon, Brian? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took this thing down a hill and over a curb that was you know, that I had no business doing and flew through that. <laughs> like the police are all just looking because this big ass station wagon, it was like something out of National Lampoons. I just was like, <laughs> boom, that bitch was in the air. You were like that viral TikTok video of that yeah. Tesla going over that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, hill. It, yeah, it was just gone. Went and found the father, and then we had to go fly to Syracuse. And you know, we, there was no contact. She couldn't get in the ho- the helicopter with him. We had no idea what was, you know, how bad it was because yeah. the tire was on him. Oh God! Um, yeah, and she was never. That was one of the things that she I, was never the same after that. I got run over by a car one time at Sears. Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> yeah, it was my own fault. I was so dumb. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> what? What? Oh, was... oh man! Did you get free little Debbie's too? No, I got yelled at, and then we had to have a safety meeting at work about it. <laughs> I got yelled at. So you were an adult when this happened? Yeah, it was, like, I was, I was. It was Jeffrey. It was when I was. It was like when I was going out with Katie. <laughs> Oh my god, wait, I think I remember this story. Okay, wait, do it. Tell it, tell it, please. Okay. Yeah, I got um so I got out of work. I I worked in the shipping and receiving, like the back warehouse part. And so like we we were like the ones that loaded like the tillers and dishwashers and stuff in the back of your car after you bought it. And so I was just getting out of work and there was this girl, uh her name was Jen, and she was pulling up her friend Ashley's car. It was like this old, like '91 Chevy Cavalier, like back when they were like still like square. Mm-hmm. And so she's pulling it up, and I'm just walking out of work, and she's going really slow. So I like, I'm like, oh, I'll be funny. So I like, I walk up and I like bump the hood of her car, and I like do this, oh, and I like pretend to fall down in front of her car, and then she keeps pulling forward because apparently she looked down to change the radio station right when I did that and didn't like. <laughs> see me at all and so here i'm like laying flat on my back and the car's like just rolling towards me and i'm like all right like in a split second decision i had to to, like get up and run out of the way and i'm like i'll probably get mangled up underneath here if i try to do that so i just like laid down flat and i tried to like just hope it would go over me and so like I lay down and it starts like down here and it like pushes up into my ribs and it's like jamming my arm all underneath me oh on the God. other side like kind of like pushing me along the road and then finally like my arm bites in and it like pulls up on top of me and like goes like diagonal up over my shoulder and at, at first I'm like oh, I'm gonna die and then I'm holding up a car and I'm like, this hurts, but oh my god, I'm holding up a car. <laughs> it's starting to hurt really bad. Like all the air is getting crushed out, and I can feel it's like, Ugh. and I'm like banging on the fender of the car. And she gets up to up my shoulder, and she realizes she's on top of me, and then backs back over top of me all the rest oh. of the way over. You should just keep going, just like that. I know, I know. So, so. I get, I get, I like, as soon as the car's off of me, I like sprint up to on my feet and I'm like, and she thinks I'm like dying. So she gets out of the car and she's like crying and I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like hugging her. I'm like, I'm fine. It's okay. (laughs) Like 
So I just kind of, I paced back and forth for a while. And all I had on was like, you know, those like six pack of white t-shirts that you get like for undershirts. That was, it was like a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans. And like, so my t-shirts all like, like all, all like this whole arm, like the whole side of it's just like road rash and like bloody. And then like my, like my chest literally has like this giant tire tread tear across the front of it. And I'm like, I gotta go. I'm supposed to pick up my girlfriend. She's going to be mad if I'm late. <laughs> and they're like, are you sure? Are you okay? You probably are bleeding internally. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm fine. <laughs> and like, so like, I, I drive to, I drive to Katie's house and like on the way there, I'm just like, Oh, this hurts so bad. I just need to lay down. I might be bleeding inside. <laughs> so I get there. And she's pissed off. She's like, well, now it's too late to go anywhere. <laughs> I'm like, can we just sit on the couch and watch TV God, or something? Family. I don't feel good. And like, so like I sat down on the couch and like her mom and dad are there and her sister. And they're like, what happened to you? And I'm like, I got run over by a car. And they're like, did you go to the hospital? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm fine. <laughs> like, so this was like before I had a cell phone and like I had, I had two days off before the next day that I had to work. And so like two days, I'm like the next day I was sore, but I didn't, I'm like, all right, I'm not dying. I'm just sore. I just got hurt a little bit. I'm and not then, dying. And then the next day after that, I felt a little better and I'm like, all right, uh, I'll be all right. So then when I go back to work and I'm like, I'm going to wear my Superman t-shirt today. <laughs> Like so, I show up wearing my shirt, Superman T-shirt, and they're like, "Oh my god, we tried calling you, but we didn't have a number that was good for you. We thought you died." Like, so, Sears, it's, it's, we replaced you already. Yeah, it's Sears. There, just like everyone was, everyone thought I just went off and died like a dog that got hit by a car. <laughs> like, a so, then, so then they they had to have a safety meeting, and they all, they like made me stand up there. And they're like, pick up your shirt. And I like pick up my shirt. And there's just this big black tire tread bruise, like in the exact print of the tire tread. Like it was like this perfect like belt of tire print across my like chest and everything from where the tire rolled over me. <laughs> they're like, this is what it looks like when you get run over by a car. <laughs> they're like, are we going to ever mess around in front of the driveway when people are coming up? pulling up cars and I'm like no so like, so like they like berated me in front of like everyone there and like all the kids my age were like laughing about it and I was just like standing up there like and you realize that they did that to you today you yeah. could sue them oh yeah really? oh. having been a paralegal really? for a workman's comp firm yes and let uh, me tell you they were happy that you did not go to their insurance company yeah, for real. And then I, they berated you for it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Oh, uh, that was that was just uh, one of many times that I've gotten almost dead. I, I, almost I don't dead. know. Like I keep, you know, at a certain point, I was just like, oh, maybe I'm gonna die. <sighs> this will be nice. <laughs> I kind of look forward to it now. It's just kind of like, well, oh, it's gonna like happen. A, Cat Jeffrey, <laughs> like he's not looking forward to, or he's not looking for it, but you know he's open to it if it happens. The last time was Ecuador. He was telling us all about that. Yeah, well, I didn't almost die there. Well, no, I did almost die in that lake when I got stuck in the. I got stuck in a lake. I got stuck like waist deep in this lake mud bog that was like trying to pull me under. <laughs> and like everybody's just watching me trying to get out of there. And they're like, he's getting deeper. And I'm just like standing there trying to yank myself out in my underwear. <laughs> this, that was pretty bad. I almost died that time, I guess. Yeah. This one talking about she tried to run her husband over once. Yeah. I need to know that story. We're going to well, have to have her on to come tell us. For real. Real. <laughs> I want to hear you about gotta that. aim for like the neck or something. People are surprised. You, <laughs> you gotta aim for the neck. You know, it's I, like the, my, the grandfather that shot my grandmother. I tried to run him over. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the transmission slipped on the car. It was my friend's. Uh, she had a. It was a 1989 or 90 Lexus, and it was real hood. Like the the steering wheel was <laughs> duct taped. Like the airbag had gone off. You know what I mean? Like the muffler didn't really was non existent, so it was super loud. 
Um, well, you were in Oh yeah. Well, we were in my driveway that I grew up in, and like the there was a uh, a door and stairs, and <laughs> it was a hill, and he was standing kind of in front of those stairs and the door, and he like yelled, "You you fucking faggot!" at me, and like there was a whole but there was a whole thing going on. But that was like the final straw. He told me I looked like an AIDS patient, at, you know, coming down the driveway because they had my hair bleached or whatever and spiked up. I would, I would have beaten this. Well, right, and I trip. like. Here's the thing: I was never afraid of him. Like I, told, you know, I started first telling this Ooh. man off at ten years old. Nobody else in the family ever had balls to say anything. Like they were all genuinely afraid of him. Now I know why. For you know good what reason. I mean? like, right, because at one point when she moved in with us, she, I said something to him on the phone, and she said across from me, she's like, "You shouldn't have said that to him." We had to call the cops and have them come take us to get her shit because she's like, he's going to kill you. And I'm like, you're crazy. He ain't going to kill me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I floored it and, and the transmission dropped, but the car like leaped, you know, and he fell backwards and he started rolling down the drive. He was really scared for his life. And after that, though, he really <laughs> fucked with me because he knew had that car not malfunctioned. Um, you were ready. Had, yeah, he'd have been dead, right? and I'd have been in prison. And I really <laughs> don't have any regrets. Like I would have done it, and I'd have been okay with it. Because I hated that man. Um, and I, I and it, too, in retrospect, I'd have saved his life. He'd have never got a chance to shoot her because his ass would have been uh, dead. So I would have been a hero. I saved a life. You would have. Yep. Didn't even know it. All right, kids, we made it through another week seven. We did it. Uh, another week seven. We did it. We didn't talk about Atomic Habits chapter 8 through 14, but we'll do that next week. week. Kelly will help us. Oh, wait. Oh, she said, oh, I might tag it. Okay. No, he chased me and I got in the car, but it's a whole story. Okay, girl. We're going to get the... I need this whole story. You're going to have to message me something. We're going to tape a video. Yeah, we need the whole story. Okay. Send a video. But only only if you buy some Melaleuca from Jeffrey. Yeah, I know how much oh. you love an MLM. Enjoyed having his hand. What? She did. Okay, this is get. Why now that? Of course, the show's. I dated a guy who enjoyed having his hand ran over real slow with the car. I left him because he was giving girls foot massages at work. He was not attracted to anything but feet. So nope. Oh Honey, no. Real... Honey, oh, wow. okay, listen. We got a thing where we ask on the other show how many quarters. I mean, is he real attractive and he's attracted to feet? I'm saying, like, what's his number? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I got a pair of feet. <laughs> Although there's good money to be made with feet, evidently on the internet. Yeah, I'm not opposed to nothing. Look at Jamie. He's like, what? The I, hell? Got, I got, I got, kind of nice looking feet. I mean, I have nice feet. Well, you do have, them, Dana. you have nice feet, Jamie. <laughs> Sell your body, Dana. Sell your body. Sell your body. I wonder if you could do an OnlyFans page, but with just feet. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, guys. Have them. I got a fresh pan of baked beans. Guess what tootsies are going in it tonight? Oh, God. But yes. Short, yeah, you gave me a good idea. I'm going to do that. Be- Look be- at all these people are coming in like. <laughs> Beaten beans. Beaten beans. And that, you guys, is how we ended up this way. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.